Well, Joanne and I recently had a very fine dinner served to us in a very fine and elegant restaurant in Chicago. When we profusely thanked our waitress, she said, hey, no worries. Turned around and walked away. I'm going to give you an option to that little phrase and talk about the importance of the little things we say. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, one of our sponsors today is Harry's. You hear me talk about I've got an interesting story about giving away a Harry's razor here at the sanctuary this last week. I want to share that with you. Well, we're going to talk about, as a theme today, it's my pleasure. Now, you probably recognize that already. I'm going to tell you how we're going to expand on that a little bit today and why I think it's important. Well, some of the questions we've got, somebody talks about from being scared to start to now making $10,000 a month. Somebody wants to know, is the coaching market in Nashville saturated? What do you think? Can the coaching market be saturated anywhere? Well, it's certainly not in Nashville. We'll respond to that question. Then I have lunch scheduled with a millionaire. Now I don't know what to ask him. I'm going to give you 12 questions to ask a millionaire to make good use of your time. Dan, our daughter has taken an interest in a franchise and business loan and having a partner. Of course, I see nothing but red flags. Well, I'm going to have a brief interview with Deanne Turner. Deanne is VP of Talent at Chick-fil-A. She's got a new book out titled, It's My Pleasure. I was so intrigued by that. Read the book, delightful little book. It's their signature phrase. And I think it says something about the culture there. I know it says something about the culture there. You know, when you think about, and that's going to be our quotation for today, you know, let's just use that as our quotation. It's my pleasure. You can attribute it to anybody that you want. Attribute it to Mr. Chick-fil-A. You know, Truett Cathy was a stickler about that, and you'll hear why he thought it was important. But when you think about it, it's my pleasure. That's a much different response than, hey, dude, no worries. Well, no worries. I didn't mean to trouble you or, you know, Hey, no problem. That that's a real common one. Even at nice restaurants like Joanna and I often experience no problem. Well, that's kind of a curt rude, really response. I mean, thank you would be better. I mean, you're, you're welcome <laughs> in response to thank you. It would be better to say you're welcome, but certainly not no problem. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I know it's kind of the common urban culture vernacular, but I still think it's low class to just say no problem. Well, it's my pleasure. It's certainly a step up from that. You know, it tells them that you were happy to do what you did and you enjoyed doing it. It's my pleasure. So I've got that delightful interview with the end coming up here. Now it's not long. I know some of you get upset when I, take time away to interview somebody. But I think the concept is important enough. I have a 12-minute interview with Deanna. It's just going to be a small segment of our show today, but I've got that and want to get into that here in just a little bit. Now, some of the events that we've got coming up. We just had a killer Coaching with Excellence event here. It was 
beyond description. It was awesome. You can read some of the comments, hear from people, go to coaching with excellence group on 48 days.net. And you can see all about it there. I won't take more time to expand on how phenomenal it was, but we had not only great list of attendees here, but uh, including people like Mike Kim and Jody Mayberry and Cliff Ravenscraft and Carrie Oprah Brunner, Ken Davis, Ray Edwards. Um, it was pretty astounding. The list of people in the room who, who were none of, none of those incidentally were presenters. Those were attendees. None of those were presenters. And then we had presenters like Giovanna Ellison and Dr. Brian Dixon, my daughter, Ashley. I mean, we had some uh, Kent Julian. I mean, we just had uh, a great lineup, both from participants and presenters. But, you know, that's what people who are learning and growing do. They don't stop as being too good to go to conferences. They continue to go. And I want to tell you about some that I'm going to be going to here in the next couple months. These are the next ones coming up on my schedule. I'm going to be going to launch with Ken Davis in Orlando, Florida. That's April 4th and 7th. I'll put links to all of these in the show notes today. Incidentally, we've got much expanded show notes. I'm excited about that. Where to go through. Some of you want to know where was that point where Dan talked about this particular question or this gave this particular resource. We're now going to have expanded show notes. So you can go to the podcast page at 48days.net and see exactly where it was. Nine minutes and 18 seconds in, Dan responded to this question or whatever. So I'm excited about that, but I'll put these show notes in these links to these events in the show notes as well. So you can go right to them and see more about them. But with Ken Davis launch, how to take an idea and develop it, especially if you're a speaker coach, I mean, it's going to be for that focus. That's going to be April 4th through the 7th in Orlando, Florida. Joanna and I'll both be at all of these. And then social media marketing world, April 17th to the 19th. That's the big boy in San Diego, California. If you're interested in blogging, podcasting, any of those things will be there. Innovate, an event we're bringing back based on popular demand here at the Sanctuary. It's going to be our lowest cost event of the year. You can check out the details on our site under live events. That's going to be May 26th and 27th right here at the Sanctuary in Franklin. Then I'll be at New Media Europe, June 18th to the 19th. We're excited about that. That'll be in London, England. For those of you who are in London, I'll have a link to that with more information about it. Delighted to be a part of what the good folks are doing over there in London. Right after that, we'll be at Podcast Movement in Chicago immediately after that. That's the first part of July, July 6th, 7th, and 8th. So anyway, those are coming up. Golly, get it on your schedule to take advantage of some of these live events where you rub shoulders with other people who are high achievers and on the path to their own success. It'll accelerate your own path in that direction. Believe me. Well, our sponsor today is Harry's harrys.com. You can go there, get your razor, just like I do. You can use 48 days as the code to get $5 off your purchase. Let me read to you something that one of the attendees who was just here at coaching with excellence wrote to us. This was, her name is Debbie. And she says, I came to the event, hoping to come away with a clear direction for my career. I came away with so much more. I did come away with direction for my career. I'm clarifying my message, identifying my audience and deciding how I want to market myself. I came away with great contacts. The networking was better than any event I've ever attended. Dan and Joanna are really fabulous people with huge hearts for helping others. The most important thing I walked away with was totally unexpected. One year ago, my husband lost a job he had truly enjoyed for 15 years. I have watched him agonize over his job loss. 
Meanwhile, I have been researching the coaching career because we both knew we were not in a position for me to go back to college for four years to get a counseling degree. About a month ago, I began to read Dan's book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I went to the 48days.com website referenced in the book to download the worksheets and finding the Coaching with Excellence event there, my husband, Steve, and I began to discuss whether we should spend the money since we're living from our savings. We prayed about it for a couple of days. One evening as we were driving home from visiting his mom, Steve said, I feel it's time for you to have your dream. I will take a side job to supplement my retirement while you pursue coaching. I've had my dream and I want to give that opportunity to you. From the beginning of the event, Dan was sharing with all of us the importance of serving others. Now I heard this, but was not thinking of it being that significant. As all of us know, there are door prize drawings at different times. Well, when there would be a drawing for a book that I wanted, I'd think, I wish they would draw my name. Someone else would get the book. Dan picked up a small cardboard box, pulled out a Harry's razor with an orange handle. And as Dan was describing how nicely it's shaved, I thought, Steve, my husband, is a huge University of Tennessee fan. God, I would love to be able to take that home to my husband as a thank you gift for allowing me this opportunity. I was surprised and delighted when my name was the one called. Arriving home, I presented my husband with his thank you gift. Big tears came to his eyes. He said, I've heard of these, but never thought I would own one. We are more successful when we are getting to give instead of giving to get. Relationships are what it's all about. Well, there you go. Another great Harry's stories. I was thrilled that it turned out that way. It was so meaningful to Debbie to get that, to give to her husband, Steve, who's a UT fan with a big orange handle on the Harry's there. Well, again, you can go to harrys.com. Use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your purchase. Don't wait. Hey, they're not that expensive. Grab one. You'll be delighted that you did. And of course, our other sponsor for this year is Casper Mattress. And I have been um, called to, on the carpet because apparently last week I said you could go to casper.com slash sleep you love and get 50% discount. That is not what I meant to say at all. It's a $50 discount. 50% would be somewhat different. Still a great deal, believe me, at $50 off. But go to casper.com slash sleep you love. Use the promo code sleep you love to get $50 off your purchase there. Now, I want to go to this interview that I had with Deanne Turner. Now, this is Chick fil A. Depending on where you are in the country, you may not have them. If you're international, you may not be familiar with Chick fil A, but it's a place that's considered a fast food restaurant. And yet it's very, very different. And the interesting thing is living here in Franklin, Tennessee, I can buy, drive by and I won't name any of the competitors, but I can name competitors who are in a very, very similar market and drive by, you know, and there's two cars in the parking lot. Then I go by Chick-fil-A and the parking lot is absolutely jammed. They have two drive through lanes with kids working the drive through lanes to get the orders in advance to make them go more quickly as they come around. And that's pretty much true six days a week. They're closed on Sundays. Everybody considers that to be, you know, the economists say you can't survive in that kind of a restaurant without being open seven days a week. Well, they're closed anyway and are extremely successful. They have, now listen to this, they attract over 25,000 applicants for their corporate office in Atlanta. That's just for their corporate office in Atlanta every year. And over 30,000 annual applicants to become Chick-fil-A restaurant franchisees. Now, usually 
when somebody has a franchise, you know, they're out here begging people to at least pay attention to them, to consider it, trying to woo them in every way to get them in there. Chick-fil-A has 30,000 annual applicants and being awarded the designation of being an operator of one of their restaurants is like winning the lottery. I mean, that's how people feel to have the opportunity to spend their money to become an operator. It's just counterintuitive in so many ways, but I thought it was worth talking to Deanne. Here's my interview with Deanne Turner, VP of talent at Chick-fil-A. Well, Deanne, you've had a long, illustrious career with Chick-fil-A. 30 years, you tell me that you've been there. And I know there's some things about Chick-fil-A that Joanne, my wife and I certainly enjoy that stand out famously. And those are kind of documented in your delightful new book. It's my pleasure. So Congratulations on getting that book out. And we're, that's one of the phrases that certainly stands out uniquely for Chick-fil-A. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate your having me here today. Well, tell us a little bit about how that started. I mean, that is just a phrase that when you hear it, you identify it immediately with Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure. How did that start becoming a regular practice at Chick-fil-A? That's a great story in Chick-fil-A's history. Our, our founder, Truett Cathy, uh, had spent some time with Horst Schultze at the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain. And one of the things he really marveled at was their customer service and how they treated guests. In fact, they had a saying that they were ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And to go with that, they had some unique service language at the time. And, and one of the things you would find at the Ritz-Carlton is that they would uh, respond when a guest said, thank you. Uh, an employee, a team member would say, it's my pleasure or my pleasure. And Truett really appreciated that. So one year, uh, he came back to the Chick-fil-A annual conference and he asked the operators, he said, when a guest tells you or your team members, thank you, I would like for you to respond, my pleasure. Well, Truett was not known for giving a lot of edicts. That's a big part of our culture. You know, he he really uh, selected people to go into business with that could solve the problems and run the restaurant, and that's what he wanted. So he didn't make too many rules. Um, But this is something he got rather passionate about, and and no one really changed their behavior. So he came back the second year at the conference, and he said the same thing again. And would you believe that the behavior didn't really change? Truett actually did this for 10 years. And on the 10th year, he stood up, he said, I've been asking you to do this for 10 years. And he said, now I mean it. (laughs) When a guest uh, says, thank you, I would like for you and your team members to respond, my pleasure. Well, after that period, when Truett was really clear that he meant it and that he wanted that to happen, it became part of our service culture at Chick-fil-A. And it did catch on. And now um, I think all of us just about can't respond in any other way, Um, especially after writing the book. Sometimes people say thank you, and I just instinctively say it's my pleasure, and it really (laughs) is. And um, I think they they always kind of chuckle like, yeah, I expected you to say that. But it really is part of our vernacular now at Chick-fil-A, and and that's how it all came about to be. Uh, I had no idea it took (laughs) that long to become part of the culture there. I just figured it was, you know, one Monday morning meeting and it it was done. That's really interesting. Well, if we do expect that, I mean, I would be mortified if I were at Chick-fil-A and heard anything but that. Now, Joanne and I were recently, we, we ate at Michael Jordan's in Chicago. I mean, not exactly a, 
a low-class place and certainly not a fast food place. And when the waitress brought our very elegant, expensive meal and we expressed our appreciation, she said, hey, no problem. Now, Mm, talk about the different feeling a customer typically has in hearing, it's my pleasure as compared to no problem or even you're welcome. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, growing up in the South, um, my parents taught me to say, you're welcome, uh, in response to thank you. So that was my biggest uh, difficulty in changing to It's My Pleasure. I had just been uh, brought up that way. But, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the um, no problem, because that was one of uh, Truett's pet peeves, too. He, Of course, it's not a problem to serve a guest, and we would never want to say anything that would indicate um, that it is. So, he much preferred the it's my pleasure or my pleasure over um, the words no problem. He was especially sensitive uh, to those words. Oh, it, it, it's a really a different feeling as a customer to hear that, believe me. Well, now here's, here's another thing I want to ask you about, Deanne. I know that you are largely responsible for you know, there's new talent coming into Chick-fil-A and training these kids who have been raised in a very casual kind of culture. But you can't have someone with a scowl on their face just say the words, it's my pleasure. Tell us a couple of things that you look for in the hiring process to find people whose personal character matches being able to authentically say, it's my pleasure. Well, first of all, you know, interesting thing is that all of those team members are employed by the Chick-fil-A franchisee for whom they work. So um, none of those are actually Chick-fil-A incorporated employees, and we don't have that influence on them, which I think makes it pretty amazing that you can go in a restaurant in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, or Franklin, Tennessee, and you can have the same experience Um, in Denver, Colorado, or in Orange County, California, um, because of the consistency of Chick-fil-A franchisees. So I think it actually goes back to the selection of that individual franchisee. Tritt was always very careful, as he put it, as who he gave the keys to. And um, so he started um, modeling, um, I mean, he looked for people that really modeled how he started in the restaurant business. And those are people who definitely had a heart for service, and you could you could see it demonstrated by the life they lived, by the way they um, generously gave of their uh, time and talent to others. Um, he looked for people who had an entrepreneurial spirit. And so um, those who really believed if it is to be, it's up to me. And people who were capable of leading others with a demonstrated track record of leadership. And some of those people, by the way, were very young. In fact, uh, I know I think the youngest operator ever selected was 19 when he started operating a restaurant mall years and uh, restaurant years and years ago in a mall. He's still a Chick-fil-A operator. Wow. And um, so Truett took a chance on some people, but they still had those qualities even at very young ages um, when that happened. And um, that's been consistent what we continue to do um, that he taught us and we followed in those um, footsteps. And then those operators have been the ones that have selected these great team members and trained them. Um, And I think it's uh, I think that it's what Truett always said. If you'll pick the right leader, they'll take care of all the other problems and they'll select the right people and train them well. And um, so really, it's those Chick-fil-A franchisees. we, We use the term operator interchangeably, but they're the real heroes of that story um, because they're the ones who make that happen daily 
um, by leading those team members in that um, type of service behavior. And so I, I, I can't answer for them, but I would tell you my guess is they look for the same uh, type of people as they are. And uh, we look for people who had serving spirits and um, interested in serving guests and engaging them in the culture there in the restaurant. Well, in your book, It's My Pleasure, you lay out a lot of the things you use corporately there. And again, I expected that that was just demanded all the way down. And you're saying that it's not. It's, again, kind of part of the culture, but you give your operators a lot of freedom. And they obviously have uh, are passing on that kind of customer customer spirit. Now, I want you to tell us a couple of quick stories. You, you tell some in your book, but about the unusual customer loyalty created by Chick-fil-A. I mean, we hear about people who are Corvette fanatics or <laughs> Harley Davidson, but typically not of a restaurant. And yet you've got some stories about Chick-fil-A loyalty that are just amazing. Well, you know, the first person that comes to mind is, is the man we affectionately know is Mr. John. And Mr. John lives in Florida. And um, when he became a Chick-fil-A raving fan, he had lost his wife. And um, he was grieving that loss. And he read in the paper that a new Chick-fil-A restaurant was coming to his community. And they were having something we called the first 100. And that's where the first 100 people that come to a restaurant uh, or that get there for um, the opening, grand opening of a restaurant, a new restaurant, they're able to get uh, cards to have a free Chick-fil-A meal every week for a year. And this has become part of our culture, actually, one of the big events we have with every Chick-fil-A grand opening. And he saw an ad in the paper for that, and he decided that he would go over for this event. Well, for anybody who's ever experienced it, you know, people start lining up sometimes 24, 36 hours ahead of time, have campouts overnight the night before. And so Chick-fil-A uh, operators in the grand opening teams, they do some pretty fun things, whether it's have live music or games or a midnight ice cream party in the restaurant or uh, a nugget um, serving or something like that. And Mr. John had such a great time and he was so welcomed into the restaurant um, that he began going every day <laughs> and he became <laughs> such a part of the culture. I love the story that he told me where um, he, he usually shows up at the restaurant between 10 and two every day. He has his own name tag now and he's not an employee. He's just a raving fan guest um, that loves how much they've cared for him that he gives it back. And so um, he says it doesn't get very cold very often in Florida, but on days that are chilly, he brings his, in his own hair dryer, plugs it in, and warms the hands of the guests as they come <laughs> in. Um, so Mr. John is is quite a special character, and again, you can read more about him in, in uh, the book. It's my pleasure, but he has um, he is endeared to that team, and um, they love him, and, and he loves them, and that's a really unusual relationship. Then I just think of some remarkable things that Chick-fil-A franchisees have done for guests that you don't find. Um, this was pretty well known, but I, it, it's worth repeating, um, and you might remember this. But a couple of years ago, we had what was known as Snowmageddon in the South, and um, it came right across Atlanta and Birmingham and through the Southeast, a, a bad snow, ice and snowstorm, and thousands upon thousands of people were stranded on roadways and interstates. And one of a uh, Chick-fil-A franchisee right outside of Birmingham um, was close to an interstate. And when this happened and all the people were stranded, you know, some people might be thinking about how they could make money in a situation like that. 
But instead, this operator, knowing these people were stranded um, without food, and, and if you remember, some of them were stranded for days, um, he actually took a thousand meals out to the highway and began giving them away to people who were stranded. Um, beyond that, he allowed people to spend the night in his restaurant that night, and many of his employees did as well. And so they got up the next day. I guess they got up. I'm not sure they ever went to sleep. But the next morning, um, they went back in and cooked thousands of biscuits and gave those away, too, um, to people who were still stranded in the snowstorm. I think that's um, highly unusual behavior, but certainly exhibits um, one of our core values, which is generosity. And that came directly from Truett. And it's uh, actually, it's just the kind of thing that Truett would have done himself. Uh. Great so it's a pretty story. remarkable story in itself. Well, the book is It's My Pleasure. Tell people where they can get, get a copy and hear more of these stories and then adapt some of the principles in their own businesses that have made Chick-fil-A so successful. Absolutely. And it's my pleasure not only read the stories, but we, I do outline um, some of the um, real tactical ways that we've accomplished that. And you can find my book, um, either order it through Deanne Turner, D-E-E-A-N-N, Turner.com, or it's also available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble Booksellers, and a number of other um, local bookstores, including a number of airports. So it's a great read if you're going east to west or west to east. It's uh, about 160 pages, and you can finish it pretty quickly. So you can also follow me um, on at Twitter at Deanne Turner, um, on Instagram at It's My Dot Pleasure, or I have a Facebook author page, and I'd love to interact with your guest. Well, wonderful. Well, it's a delightful book. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for taking time to share some of the principles that you've enjoyed in your own career, and again, that have uh, made the Chick-fil-A culture so popular. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. It's really, truly been my pleasure, too. Well, there's the end of the interview. You know, listening to that, you'd think I got paid as a sponsor to promote Chick-fil-A. It wasn't that at all. I'm just so intrigued with a company that has created that kind of culture where you have raving fans. What a great example. And just those little things that have helped make them so successful. I mean, I don't know how I'm not, I'm not much of a culinary connoisseur, so I can't even rate, you know, the quality of food, but it's not that that I think is really attributed mostly to their success. It's those little things about the people that you meet there how you're treated, and, of course, their distinctive phrase, it's my pleasure. Hey, I encourage you just to try that out. But this week, when people say thank you, say it's my pleasure. Look at the different response that you get from people. Great phrase to carry on. Well, a couple of success stories here, and then we got some interesting questions I want to get into. This comes from Diana Bader, who says, Last July, I took Alan, uh, Alan, this would be Alan Jackson's stop-and-go beta course on 48days.net. My focus for the year was developing my speaking, but the goal for the course was a book, ideally to sell at the back of the room. My plan was to put all my energy into completing this book, but things change. Business friends introduced me to a woman with a similar niche at lunch in June. We met again for lunch in July. Near the end of August, we met for coffee. As we were leaving in the parking lot, she mentioned something about a podcast. I was never going to do a podcast of my own, but with a co-host, maybe. Our niche could use a podcast. I needed to actually practice speaking more. The dogs and kids weren't listening anyway. After a few email exchanges of, do you really want to do this? We started meeting once or twice a week. Brand, boom. Music, boom. Good enough. Website, boom. Facebook page, boom. 
The first of November, we launched without much fanfare. We've recorded 16 episodes thus far. Major marketing and other things have been delayed. Um, but every Tuesday, we record at least one episode, get it edited, show notes written up on iTunes by the next Monday. We may be doing it backward and not to the correct formula for success, but we're doing it and the rest will come in our time. And knowing Tuesday is podcast day, it frees up the rest of the week to focus on other things. The podcast is unique. Ah, got to back up. Uniquely brilliant is the podcast. Donna Bader. Anyway, just sharing her success story, getting that up. Awesome. Congratulations, Diana. Kiana Porter Ison was just here for Coaching with Excellence. She said, I learned so much at Coaching with Excellence, and I'm so thankful for the knowledge and wisdom everyone shared. It can be almost overwhelming to process all the amazing content and hone in the immediate next steps that need to be taken. I'm sharing my next steps publicly here and encourage anyone who wants to post theirs as well. I'd love to affirm them and help with your accountability. So here's what she's laid out as next steps. Create a 20-minute keynote sharing my journey from classroom to consultant. Number two, develop a new lead, opt-in lead magnet, 25 companies that hire teachers as consultants. Number three, host two webinars. My goal is to host a 48-day seminar for teachers with 10 participants. Number four, launch my first 48-day seminar to start April 11th, which is my birthday, and 48 days from May 31st when the school year ends. And teachers are making decisions about career decision for the upcoming school year. In addition, I plan to broadcast Periscope weekly, about 15 minutes on related topics, nurture my private Facebook group for teachers, and add value in two other Facebook groups I'm a part of for teachers. So excited to see everyone's action plan. Also, like to thank Lady Giovanna Ellison and Brian Dixon for spending so much one-on-one time helping me clarify this. This community is so amazing. Yeah, great to see somebody just lay it out there. Now, she's identified four distinct things she's going to do in the next 90 days. Great. This, this comes from Brandon. Brandon says, I just wanted to say thank you for all you do between your books, podcast, community, and more. You've been a constant source of encouragement and how-to guidance for me over the last five years. After my wife and I had kids, we got caught up in the standard American dream. And of course, you know, the acronym for that is SAD. Well, get it, get a good paying job so you can have a big house with a new car and a lot of nice stuff from the outside. We had it all and were successful, but inside we were miserable, burned out in debt and had no time or energy for what mattered most. So this past year we sold it all, bought an Airstream trailer to travel across the country full time in and do work that we find purposeful and satisfying. Nothing is easy, but we've learned a lot about how to overcome the obstacles involved with being true to oneself. We also have discovered that when you're true to yourself, you have more to give to your family, community, and the world. Being true to yourself isn't selfish. It is necessary to make a difference in the world. I know you understand this more than anyone. I'm sure we will be making a stop in Tennessee at some point this year. Would you mind it if I took you out for coffee or lunch? I know you're very busy, but everyone has to eat at some point, right? It would be my honor. And just another small way of saying thank you for all you've done and continue to do. To Breaking Free and Living Life, Brandon Magris. Now, Brandon did not share. You didn't share what you're doing. What made it possible for you guys to buy a trailer and go out on the road and live while traveling with your kids? But I... Thank goodness for Google. Did a little quick research. I'm sure this is you. I found you on LinkedIn, and I suppose this is you. Jailbreak Design Company. 
designing professional, effective, unique websites for entrepreneurs on a budget. 100% customer satisfaction rate, one to two week turnaround. I mean, cool. Jailbreak Design Company. Interesting that you say you're traveling out there and you use a Tolkien quotation as kind of the theme, the summary theme on your website. And that quotation from Tolkien is, not all those who wander are lost. I love that. Golly. Now, let me, let me comment a couple things here. When you hear somebody like Brandon who says he quit his job and blah, 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 blah. Okay, quitting a job is not quitting your responsibility to make a living or a difference or an impact. I mean, quitting a job doesn't mean giving up. I mean, we hear from lots of people here, but we have to realize a job is just a tactic, a way to get to what you really want. As soon as your job hits a dead end, it makes sense to quit and take your quest to a bigger marketplace. I mean, think about it. I was asked yesterday on a, a live group call, what if a surgeon decided not to be a surgeon anymore? You know, wouldn't he be walking away from his calling, his purpose, his mission? Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's say that his mission, his calling is to help reduce pain and suffering in the world. What if he discovered a bigger, more efficient way to do that than to just do daily surgery? Leaving surgery would not be quitting or walking away or giving up. It would be just he's moving into something even more effective for accomplishing his major mission and go on life. Well, congratulations to Brandon again on what you're doing. Incidentally, I shot your note to my daughter, Ashley. They've got the bug about just cleaning out their house, getting a trailer or an RV and just living on the road for a while. And uh, she'll be contacting you, Ashley, I'm sure. Uh, she said, incidentally, I could mention if anyone knows where there is a Keystone Bunkhouse trailer, that'd be fabulous. I don't even know what that is, a Keystone Bunkhouse trailer. But she says that's what they're, that's what they're looking for and ready to go on that. Well, hey, let's uh, move on here from this part of what we're doing. Bring up a little bit of We Are the Champions here. Got a lot of stories. I got a lot of them. I'll save some for next week because I got some questions that I really want to get to here. But continue sending us your success stories. Just go to 48days.com. Click on the Ask Dan link. You can send them in there or just shoot an email directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Well, let me bring that down. I'm going to move right into some more here. This comes from Kate. Now, this, this has to do with, with coaching. She says, hi. I'm new to 48days.net. I joined this group to get information on coaching, see if it would be a good fit for my husband. We're both self-employed. His work doesn't allow him much time for, to post on discussion forums, so I thought I'd get the ball rolling. I'm still learning what coaching is, but my husband, Matt, loves to help people and is energized by problems that require thinking on your feet. He has endless creativity and a gift for seeing solutions that aren't always obvious. He's been a private music instructor for 20 plus years and is a fantastic teacher. He excels at troubleshooting students' problems and has also brainstormed with other professionals to find answers to questions in their businesses. Often his friends will say, I didn't think of that. Or how did you come up with that so quickly? His brain is constantly creating new ideas. As such, we've been talking about the possibility of coaching as a new career for him. I'd love to direct him to a resource that explains what a coach does so we can explore the idea further 
Also, we would like to relocate to Franklin, Tennessee, since my parents just moved there as a coaching market in Nashville saturated. Can it be done online? Well, Kate, come on down. We have a whole lot of coaches in Franklin, Tennessee, and there's room for a whole lot more. There's no way we could ever scratch the surface of the needs for coaches. Yes, you can do it online as well. Most of the coaching that I do is done via the phone or internet, Zoom, one of the fancy things we use, Instant Teleseminar. I mean, those are all ways I connect with people, but rarely is somebody sitting in my office. So yes, you can. And it sounds like your husband has great background experience for positioning him as himself as a coach. You know, I've got another question here. Let me find this. This comes from Gwen. It's kind of related. Dan, I had a few questions regarding the type of coaching you do. Could you please tell me if you hold any specific credentials by any professional coaching organizations? If yes, yes, which organizations do you have any experience with ADHD or executive function coaching for teens and adults? Thank you, Gwen. Well, it relates back to uh, what Kate is talking about with her husband. has been a teacher. People are asking him for advice, asking him for his opinion. He's able to formulate options for them, come up with solutions very quickly. Sounds like he could position himself as a coach. The way you become great as a coach is to start coaching and then start the process of lifelong continued learning. I have, I have bachelor's and master's in clinical psychology. I did my doctoral work in religion and society through Oxford. I don't have any specific credentials that relate to coaching. When I started coaching, there really were not any. There wasn't anything that was that related. The closest thing we have today would be through organizations like PCCI, uh, Chris McCluskey's organization, great one, uh, Professional Christian Coaching Institute, or ICF, International Coach Federation. You can do a lot of their courses online. Of course, we'd love to talk to you. And if you want to know more about if you can be a coach, just go to 48days.com and click on coaching. And I've got a lot of information there. You know, how to determine if you would be a good fit as a coach. So you can check that out. I don't have specific credentials. I've never looked for that. People don't ask about credentials. If I had credentials in coaching, it would be like MCC, ICF, PCCI, be those kind of things behind my name. Nobody but another coach would have any idea what those things stand for. What they do want to know is, golly, you know, I heard you on Dave Ramsey or I saw you on TV or I read your book, you know, it changed my life. Or you talked to my uh, neighbor three years ago, worked with her and it really changed a trajectory of her own success. You know, how soon can I get in to work with you? People look for success in coaching where people are getting results. They're not impressed by just head knowledge or degree designation. So I don't want to diminish the value of those degrees. I certainly continue to learn and grow. I read, study. I hope that I'm a better coach today than I was 10 years ago. And you know what else? I hope that I'm a better coach today than I was six months ago because of my own continued learning. That's not required. If I have a degree, I can just post the degree and be finished. But that's not how I approach it. So yes, and you can ask questions like that of a coach. You know, what have you done? What, what seminars have you gone to in the last year? What books have you read in the last six months? Who's some other people that you've coached? Who's coaching you? I mean, those are all things that are legitimate ways to engage with a coach. This is an ongoing process, not a once and done kind of thing. Well, thanks for your questions.
Okay, this comes from Lauren, who says, on a fairly recent podcast, you noted numerous references wherein people framed their comments about you in terms involving the status of grandfather. No doubt being a grandfather would be a privilege and an honor, and it's worth noting that in some parts of the world, this still occurs as early as the mid-30s. Still an implication could have been perceived involving a more aged and doddering image. Most likely those commenting actually used it related to the guidance and reassurance in your delivery. Traits more likely to be found in a grandfather than in others. Cutting to the chase, I just wanted to say that one of the things I find most refreshing about you and your work is that there is a timelessness about what you do. It's never, gee, I'm 62 or 52 or 42 and it's time to scale it down for the end. Rather, it's that exhilarating sense of anticipation involving what is just around the corner and the complete opposite of the scale down phase out mentality so prevalent today. I'm struggling here to convey my thoughts, but I hope you catch my meaning. Many thanks, and please keep up the beautiful and inspiring work, kiddo. <laughs> Lauren, I thank you so much. That that I'm going to go back and reread that about 20 times. You have framed that so elegantly to honor my position and certainly that of many others as grandparents. I love that. Thank you for taking the time uh, to do that. Todd says, before I ask my question, just wanted to say thanks for sharing your wisdom, inspiring me and others to take action on our dreams. I really appreciate it. He says, I'm a father of five, one adopted boy and two sets of twins. I have a wonderfully talented wife who works from home as a blogging online school teacher. I'm a bookkeeper for a hardware store. My goal is to one day work from home while, like my wife does. Right now, she's living my dream. I finally took action last year and started a cell phone accessory wholesale business here in Colorado where I live. I do this on the side right now, but it's growing so that I hope to replace my current bookkeeping income. I have another idea that I think has a lot of potential. Would like your opinion on it. I'm calling the project, calling it Project Pay It Forward. It's a card that encourages people to pay it forward and record their gift online so that they can see the ripple effect of their generosity. I'm hoping to use crowdfunding to get this project off the ground. I would also like this website to be a source of generosity stories to counteract the bad news that is so common today. I have many questions for you, but I know that you would not have the time to answer all of them. But I was wondering, once I have the card website set up, would you be willing to be a part of the project by trying the card out and giving me feedback? I know you're a generous man and I may fi- and may find the results interesting. If you're willing to do this, please let me know where I can send the card. Well, sure. I'd love to. I, I love the, the concept, the idea of pay it forward. Been a lot of approaches to that. A lot of fun things that have been done out there and always room for a lot more. Todd says, also, I know from your podcast, you have a son who lives in Colorado. The next time you fly to Colorado, I'd like to offer my services to drive you from the airport to your son's home and back again. This would allow me to return the favor you've done me by sharing your knowledge. It would also allow me to follow your advice and meet a millionaire who has mentored me from afar. Thanks for your support, encouragement, and insight. I look forward to hearing from you. Todd, we usually, my son lives in Woodland Park, Colorado, which is up the hill from Colorado Springs. We usually fly to Denver and then because connections are challenging from there to get a little flight. I mean, you have to get some kind of a flight, then it flies down to Colorado Springs. We usually just rent a car in Denver and drive all the way down. That'd be quite a hike. Not sure if you live in the Springs or up in Denver, but I'll certainly shoot you my email and you can let me know from there. Happy to connect with you. This comes from Janae. 
who says, okay, now this is, I love this question. Check this out. Since you become like the people you spend time with, one of my goals is to take a millionaire to lunch each month. I have my first millionaire lunch scheduled, but realized I don't know what I should ask them. Any thoughts? Yes, yes, yes. Day 47 in the 48 days to the work you love. The step is to take a millionaire to lunch. I have more people get stuck on that than any other day, thinking that they don't know any millionaires when they just don't recognize them. They think that millionaires, you know, drive Bentleys and, you know, live in million dollar houses. That's typically not true. There's a lot of millionaires hanging around. You can probably go to Taco Bell today and rub shoulders with a millionaire if you know what to look for and ask a couple questions. But it is a common question, and I'm delighted to give you some questions. I'm going to give you real quickly here 12 questions. I'm going to end on this one because I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you 12 questions you can ask a millionaire, and we'll go ahead and list these in the show notes as well. And we've got expanded show notes to make it a lot easier for you to find the information that I talked about here in the resources given. Question one, how did you get started? Now, these are questions to ask a millionaire. How did you get started? Number two, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you were just starting? Number three, did you use a detailed business plan? Number four, to what do you attribute your success? Number five, do you have a problem you're trying to solve that I could be of help? Number six, what's the most important lesson you've ever learned? Number seven, what's the legacy you want to leave? Number eight, what's your most important habit? Number nine, how would you spend $500 to improve your current business? Number 10, what's the most important characteristic in your life that has helped you succeed? Number 11, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Number 12, what's a motto or quotation that you live by? Those will initiate a whole lot of really interesting conversation between you and the millionaire you're privileged to have lunch with. Great, great question. I'm delighted to share some stimulating questions there to get you started. Well, again, check out the events that we've got coming up. We're all get a chance to meet you, give you a hug around the neck. Be delighted to do that. We'll list all those events in the show notes, along with all the pointers that we talked about here as well. Take that phrase. It's my pleasure. Experiment with that. Have fun with that. Make that your catchphrase this week. When somebody says, thank you for helping me out, instead of just saying, hey, no worries, dude, say, it's my pleasure. Totally different meaning. You'll see the light in their eyes as a result of being given that phrase instead. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community. Love hearing your ideas, your success stories. Keep those coming. Shoot your notes to askdan at 48days.com. Let me know what you're doing or challenges you've got. We'll share it here with our audience and get you some input for that. Thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work and lives that are meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Keys are in your hands and the way